Welcome to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast brought to you by SME Strategy. Our goal on the Strategy and Leadership Podcast is to bring you practical and actionable tools that you can implement with your teams right away. My name is Anthony Taylor and I'll be your host. Each episode, I'll interview a senior leader or a thought leader that will help you elevate your ability to lead people and drive your organization's strategy forward. Our partner is Cascade Strategy. They're our favorite tool for tracking and executing strategic plans, providing visibility for your entire team, and helping everybody have insight into where you're going and what you need to do to get there. If you're looking to improve your strategy execution, visit smestrategy.net slash cascade for a link for a free 90-day trial so you can see for yourself if you enjoy it and it helps your team move Welcome, forward. folks. My so name is that, Anthony Taylor. Thank I'm you the again for joining us at SME we'll Strategy. This is the Strategy guest. and Leadership Podcast. I'm excited to have you here. And today, my guest is Chris Ciccinelli, who is the CEO and president of Pure Romance. Chris, how are you doing today? Anthony, I'm doing fantastic. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to, to talk. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your background, how long you've involved in Pure Romance, some of the sort of success journey that you've gone through? Well, I will tell you, I've been doing this now 21 years. I can't believe I can say it that long. But Pure Romance, we have 41,000 global ambassadors that sell wellness. They sell beauty. They sell lingerie, intimacy items. Um, I came here in 2000 to come to the company to say, how can we go out there and scale it? The company that when I got here was doing about a million dollars a year you know, through putting good marketing plans, branding, management, communication strategies together. We've been able to take that business over the 21 years and take it to about $350 million. We have offices in in Sydney, Australia, San Juan, Puerto Rico. Our main distribution facility is in Cincinnati, Ohio, and we're in Canada. So we're uh, right outside of, of Windsor in Canada. That's excellent. And so what are some of those key lessons, key learnings that you had in your journey? And obviously, you know, over 21 years, there's a lot of things, but what are some of the sort of nuggets of wisdom you wish to bestow on our listeners today? Well, I will tell you the biggest thing that I've learned over that time frame is it's committing to a process and detaching from the outcome. I see too many business owners today in, in any levels of, of organization, if it's moving from a director level to a vice president or vice president to, you know, a president of the division or you starting your own business. I think so many people come into this and they have these expectations of like, hey, I'm going to I'm going to make this happen very quickly. I'm going to make things happen very fast. And what I see is I see so many people, they think think about what it is. They say what they want to go after, but the problem is I see most of them don't doing that. They don't commit to the process, right? And the process is where the outcome is going to get to. So many people say, I want to grow my business. If I sat back and said, I want to grow my business to $300 million day one, when I came in there, that's the outcome. And everybody gets too focused on the outcome. I'm cool with goal boards. I'm cool with vision boards. I'm cool with all of that kind of stuff. But what I'm not cool with is you're not doing the processes that are going to get you there. The extra phone calls, the extra emails, the extra meetings, the extra networking events that you have to go and do. And I see that working with 41,000, actually now 250,000 small businesses since I've been you know, doing this for 21 years. The difference between the successful ones and the not so successful ones, the ones that move up in leadership versus the ones that don't move up in leadership. 
is most of the ones that don't, they get too caught up in the outcome and they don't do enough of the processes. The one that do, go out there and they're successful, understand that I'm going to set the goals that every day that I'm going to do the processes, even when I know that I might not have some good wins on my belt, maybe I'm not you know moving in the same direction, but I'm going to put myself in that routine, that process to get the outcome. I sit down with my management team every year. We sit down and we talk about, we're going to go after $350 million this year in sales. This is how many people we want to bring in the business. This is what the products we need to sell. I go through that strategy with them. And that's the last time we talk about the outcome. Now we go, how do we provide the most unbelievable customer service, most awesome products, the best experiences? Because if we do all of that right we'll hit our outcome goals, which is 350 million. That's where maybe the difference of my philosophy versus other people that are out there that are running businesses. But from going from a million to 350, everybody asks me how, commit to the process, detach from the outcome. So looking back on that journey, what were some of the key sort of stages? Like, obviously you didn't go from one to 350 overnight. What were some of those key inflection points? And I can only assert they were met with like equally big challenges, maybe going from one to 10 or 10 to a hundred. And then just like a, maybe a chasm along the way. Do you have one or two stories you might want to share with our listeners? Yeah. Yeah. I think everybody asked when the hardest time was, right. Is it from going from 200 to 300 is it going from whatever. And I tell people uh, the first million of anybody's business is the toughest. It's the toughest, the get to the first million. And once you get to that, then it, it's like feeding a beast and, and everybody's business is different, right? So, but if you're growing and you're doing the proper things in your growth in your business, what you're going to find is you're going to find that it is the biggest challenge that I had is when we went from a million to four, not when we went from four to eight, when we went from a million to four, it was insane the type of uh, volume they're pushing out. Now I laugh about it today because, you know, doing 300 plus million, but that was the toughest time, right? Because, you know, you didn't have procurement set up. You didn't have, you know, customer service set up properly. You know, you weren't ready for a 4X growth on your business. And that's what taught me about the processes the most. And, and that's why I kind of I really commit to that when I'm talking to new business owners is put the routines in place in the beginning. That's where, you know, we saw our business really kind of take off. The thing though is, as we took off from a million to four, it was also really training. You know, you have a lot more people that you have that you're responsible for. You have to make sure your branding is is on point so people don't confuse it. They don't go outside and start doing and going rogue and telling people things that you do not do. Um, you got to make sure you're you got a singular message. That was the one thing I've learned is that you got to have a, a message that is very simple. You can't have these long, huge missing statements that are like paragraphs long. People got to be able to pick it up in a very quick amount of time. And that's, that, that has been one of the biggest things that I would tell, you know, going from a, a million to four was I learned all of that, that allowed me to scale the next year when we went with four to eight, eight to 16, 16 to 32. And then from that point, I would say what we did is we didn't, we weren't growing at the hundred percent clip. Like we were, we started slowing down a little bit more. We needed to get ramped up for the next scalability that we were out there growing with. So we really spent a lot more on saying, if we want to go to a hundred million dollars and we're at 36, we need to make sure that the foundation of people that we brought in, we've got to go back and we've got to retrain them because now we've got, you know, people that have never been managers now managing. We've never had people that needing to move into vice president. They were like, okay, what do I need to do for my team meetings? How do I lead? How do I make sure that we have value statements inside of our team, inside of our part of the business? And so we really had to make sure if we were going to go to the next level that we needed to make sure that leadership, because I'll tell you, I see this all the time. If leadership is not 
ready. It's kind of like water sitting on a roof, right? It will, if that water keeps building up, building up, what will happen is you have that roof that will collapse. And it's, it's bad because what happens is they can only take so much. They can, you can only work hard. You can only persevere a little bit. You got to understand, you've got to have some processes put in place. You got to teach people how to lead. You got to teach them how they need to go out there. And also the biggest thing that I find with business owners today and executives more than anything is they don't like to delegate. It is unbelievable how many people don't like to delegate in this world. I was one of them when I first got going, but you will never be able to scale to hundred million. You'll never be able to scale to 200 million. Hell, you won't even be able to scale to 4 million if you're at 1 million and you don't delegate. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I heard uh, as an undertone to all of that is the importance of communication. And I think that like I, from our brief conversation here is something that you like embody at that point, uh, like within it and like training, branding routines, which is another critical part that you were talking about the process, but on an individual level, the routines, the process on the system and structure, and then like elevating your leadership. So if we look at that one to four, four to eight, just in that little segment, what kind of CEO were you? Were you a visionary CEO who was really good at that communication? Were you an operational CEO at that time who was good at getting shit done? Were you like a hybrid? And then like, because those are the, that key leadership forming when you're building your capacity. So tell me about that development in your journey. Yeah, that's a, that's a very, that, that, that is a question I've never been asked before, but I can tell you I think I've always been a high communicator. You know, people ask how we made it through COVID being a, a completely in-home business and then moving to virtual, you know, that fast and then having a 60% increase in 2020. I think the question that, that I was, I was probably a really good communicator. I knew how to read people. I wouldn't say I was an operator. I had very good people that were operators that allowed me to go do what I did, which was build the credibility, build the confidence in, in, the, in the folks that were coming on, teaching them how to lead a business, teach them how to grow something. So I would say communication was my, my strong suit in keeping people moving forward. Operationally, if I didn't bring some smart people around me, I probably would have given away everything because I'm kind of a salesperson in general. So I think you have to have the yin and the yang. And we couldn't afford a really good operational person at the time, but they came in they trusted me. They believed in me and they grew with me. And that was Josh Efron. He was like, he was like, look, you go do what you do and I'll do what I do from an operation standpoint. So I use my communication skills, my leadership skills, and kind of where we were going to go as an organization. And I let somebody else do something that I was not well-versed in, which was operational. How do you make sure you're making good profit? A lot of people don't like it because you've got to instill trust in somebody else and trust is not sometimes easily given to people. So that was what I would say my biggest thing from one to four was, is finding right people to do what they do and finding what I do and do it well. Mm, I get that. So let's take it even more granular here. You talked about trust and given to people. Now in your kind of work, it's a high trust context. And now I'm talking about the products, but then the, also the people who run their businesses through you. Yeah. What does I'm going to use the terminology, a new person. Now that could be a new grad. That could be a new business owner. You might be 60, but this is your first swim in the pool. How does one, or what would you tell somebody who needs to develop trust quickly and credibility, I think is critical to everything that you do. How do you develop trust and credibility where in the back of your mind, you might feel like you're faking it and making it up as you go? You know, I, I'm, I'm a big firm believer. Gosh, I'm glad you said that. I don't like the whole fake it, you make it. Like I don't, I don't use that terminology. I think it's well overused. I, I'm a person that believe it's, believe it till you become it, right? Which is a little bit different. 
I think if you are in the back of your mind ever thinking you have to fake something to get something, you need to revisit it. You need to revisit your lessons that you're going to go out there because there is nothing in this world that you won't get caught for lying. I will tell you that right now. You just be straight up with people. People, people want transparency, right? They want you to be honest with them. They want you to be upfront with them. I think that the, the thing that we, that I learned early on is that that person, when they're first getting in how you establish trust is you've got to be a good storyteller. You got to tell the stories. You know, you can't lead with, you know, how, how much money somebody's going to make. You can't lead where somebody's going to get to in life. You can't tell them through your lenses what you should be doing is how do you help them understand what other people have maybe got onto the business. And it could be just one. It could be two. It could be people that, that have different stories that you're able to share with people. I think that how I've been able to establish trust and how I tell people to establish trust is be storytelling, be vivid, make sure that they're in the story, make sure they can understand and feel the story. That allows us to gain trust. Also, social proof is so real, right? Be able to show people what is the truth. I think that they like people get upset because I call Instagram Insta lie and Facebook fake book, right? We are too many people are using and thinking that this, these people are just working from beaches and working and they're all driving Bentleys and all this other stuff. That is so not true. And so what happens is they get frustrated and they find when they sign up with something or they go to this business that, man, I was squashed or squandered or whatever into this, I was lied to. You will get caught doing that kind of stuff. You always make sure you're being honest with people. You establish trust. And here's the thing. It might take you several engagements and several conversations. I'm not looking at closing somebody on the first deal. If they good, great. It doesn't always happen that way. What I understand is I want to build a relationship. I want to continue to keep working with them, showing them what the possibilities are, showing them other stories until one day the pain of what they're going through is so great that they say, I need to join that company. Or they say, you know what? I need some pleasure in my life. I want something a little bit more fun. I don't want the day-to-day grind. I think I'm going to go over there and do what they're doing because they look like they're having fun with it. People only do things if there's pleasure involved or they're avoiding pain. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a book and I was trying to find it without looking away from my camera. So like 21 laws of sales or something like that. And it talks about a series of of micro commitments. And I think that's one of the things that as a direct marketer in the past, you know, when you're trying to like get them to marry you on the first date and it's like, yeah. whoa, versus just saying, hey, let's try to move this relationship along. And then the leadership component of that is help people get what they want. And whether you're in a small business, whether you're, you know, middle manager, whether you're a CEO, the principles, I believe, stay the same. Small commitments, get people to where they want to go and help them be successful. Do you agree? Oh, 100%. I think, I think too many people come through, you know, with the, uh, the authority perspective to get people to follow them or to whatever. Nobody gives a, nobody cares about you being a vice president. Nobody cares about you being a director. Nobody cares about you being senior leadership and they don't care. They, I mean, you think they do. We all are in this world that I have a title. So now people have to follow me. No, no, no. You have to establish trust with that person. You have to stand to establish a relationship with that person. Five levels of leadership by John Maxwell. Perfect example, right? Like you got it. You got to win somebody over. They got to want to follow you. Right. And, and I think that that's the one thing. And it's not by having a title. It's by those micro meetings, those micro moments that you have with people establishing it over a period of time. That's how you do it. And always be upfront with people, be, be truthful with them, be, you know, lay it out there. Don't, don't try to be something that you're not. I see too many business owners doing that now. And they're like, I'm going to, I'm going to fake it till I make it like, no, 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 dude. you're, you're much better than that. Don't, don't fake it. You make it just believe in yourself. If you believe in yourself, if you believe in what you're offering, you believe in your services, your product, you believe in you, that you're gaining confidence and you're going to do right by this person. You'll become what you want to come. 
Yeah. So like undertone, the authenticity component and the realness component, I want to sort of take in talent, culture, attracting like workforce. And now like we're looking forwards 2021, you know, some people are out of work by choice. Some people are wanting to get back in the workforce. What do you see as a CEO of a growing company who needs talent? You know, what are some of those critical components that organizations and senior leaders need to put in place so that they can sustain their growth, you know, just keep the doors open and and, and keep bringing great people to the team? You know, it's interesting because I learned a very valuable lesson during COVID, right? I didn't have all the proper processes in place that I will tell you if you're CEO listening today, you know, middle management or whatever, or entrepreneur. The one thing is once we had to start working from home, that was not our strength of an organization, right? We were so in meetings, so whatever. And what I found is it wasn't that we weren't good at it. We just didn't have the processes put around it. So I ended up hiring a firm, you know, an ad agency to help me with that because they already had processes, they had systems, they had the things like that. So yeah, I had to pay more for that. It was a learning lesson on my side. It probably paid 40% more than I would be paying for, for employees or talent to be coming in here. Now we've got these, these systems in place. We've got these processes in place. I think that helps because people want a find what do they need to do? What do they need to execute on? They need to know what's going on. And I would tell you that if you're going to retain talent in these days, you better make sure that you have good processes, good systems, and good checks and balances, because that's what people want to work in. They don't want to read your mind anymore. They don't want to guess if you're executive level there, what you're thinking, where do you want to go? Because all that does is create anxiety for them. And are they performing well, not performing well at their job? Um, Everybody thinks that they need to add a ping pong table or a pool table to their office. People don't care about that kind of stuff. Stuff. They don't. They just they want to know that they're doing a good job and they want to know that they are hitting their KPIs of the organization. I think the big thing also to regain and get talent in there is to be more transparent. Every week we have a, a Zoom. It's twice a week that we operate Monday and Thursdays on at 430 that we go through. One of the things I've learned through this through COVID is that we did not do a great job of internal communication to the 200 people that were su- supporting the 41,000. And we really had to take a look at this and say, how do we communicate better? So we kept this, that we communicate to every, we tell them all the different promotions we're doing. We go through all the different things that are happening inside the organization. If we're looking on bringing new technology stacks in before, why would customer service ever need to know that kind of stuff, right? They're just customer service. No, what happens is, is they start understanding the direction of the company, where we're going. There's more buy-in because they get to weigh in on things. They get to see it. They get to be be part of that. So I think if you are trying to retain or go out for talent, I think also making sure you have a great communication plan. And I've, I've developed that over the years. I'm not going to say, you know, when I first got, do, when I first got in this at 25, I was doing that. I was doing it well. I wasn't internally. I would do a better job externally with our sales force. But I've learned over a period of time that that is just important. You got to support the people that are supporting the 41,000 need to be supported as well. Yeah. And I've, I've never thought about it this way, but in you explaining it, I looked at your meetings like a conveyor belt that's bringing resources is that your people then have resources to, they can do what they want with it. They can, but if they have it, they can deploy it. If they don't have it, they can't deploy it. And so they're like, I don't have what I need to be successful. And that's really like, information is currency for your team to be able to help you win. And if you're holding it, you're like withholding information. And the only person you're hurting is yourself, but you think you're doing the right thing by protecting your people. Thoughts on that? 
Oh my God. It's so true. I mean, like so many people like think this is the craziest thing. I think when you give more information, people are so worried about sharing information, giving information. Most people quit their jobs or leave their place of work or occupation because they don't feel like they are one getting communicated on what's going on or two, are they doing a good job? Most people think they leave for money. They don't leave for money. They leave because they're uncertain. People want certainty. That's one of our main things that we need as human beings is we need certainty. Are we doing a good job and where are we going? Because I just want to know that. It's not that they're looking because they want to go make more money. There are those hunters that are on in your organization that will leave because they want more money. But predominantly the ones that are there, they just want to make sure that they're certain about are they doing good and where's the company going. Hmm. I'm going to shift gears again, as I tend to do here. So we talked about the future of the workforce and we talked about changing leadership styles. 20 something years ago, 30 years ago, everybody had a plan, work for 40 years, retire, then you're done. What do you see motivating people these days to either start their own businesses or, you know, within their work? What do you see the, the being the driving factor? And you just touched on it a little bit, but. We all got problems. If you're a company out there right now, you got problems because what people are wanting more than anything, they want flexibility. That's what they want. They are telling you what they want. They don't want to go back to the office. They don't want to go back to that, that typical, you know, set five days a week, you know, nine hours. They, they don't, that's not what it is. The Jack Welsh days, could you imagine Jack Welsh revered as one of the greatest business leaders of all times, right? You can never operate today like that. You know, top 20% goes, bottom 20% goes and everybody else stays. That's not going to work. I, I think when you look at business today, we're going to have an uphill battle because people are going to want flexibility. I think people are going to be more kind of telling what they want from their job. I, I would say I'm still trying to figure this out. I don't think I have the answers yet. I don't think any of the different CEOs, I've talked to the you know Chipotle CEO, Papa John CEO, I've talked to so many different buddies in our industry, if it's in, in, in direct sales, and they are all trying to figure out what does it look like? for personnel moving forward. And, and this is something I think will be answered, but I think we all agree on one thing. They want flexibility and they want a little bit more freedom to make different choices for them. I think that a lot of people got scared when 24 million people were unemployed because their future was in somebody else's hands. I think more people are saying, I think I want to have a little bit more say in if I'm going to get laid off or not. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why you see all these people like they have opportunity for side hustles, businesses. Yep. It's to have that that safety, that protection, that independence. And people, you know, if they want to retire early, like then they have the choice versus like someone else calling the shots for them. And yep. with all the sort of system structures out there for individuals, you can make money doing anything. I could buy something on Amazon and flip it in the same day. You know, why not do that? Like, yes, it's scary. And it's not for everybody, of course, but the no. option is out there. I think there's so many people that they, they, they don't want to work for themselves. They, there's, they don't want to do that. But I do think that they, you think about this, that the Uber mentality or kind of the DoorDash mentality, I'll work when I want to work. I do think that that's going to be something that we're going to see more of where people want to pick up shifts on the fly. I mean, where people want to do things that work into their schedule. I don't think people want to be held to like, I have to be here Monday through Friday from nine to five. I mean, even myself, I'll never probably go back to a five day work week. You know, I will me, me, because I'm used to that, but my talent that I bring in three days, you know, let them choose the other, you know, that if they do want to come in, always make it flexible, always make it that they can come in and do it. I think we've learned that we just don't need to be in there every day. There's a lot of meetings I went to that I probably didn't need to do. I traveled to a lot of cities that maybe were just, you know, not really good ROI for the company. You know, but I, I still think we're kind of in this kind of correction. What does it look like? I think we're all trying to figure out. Plus, like we can shape it, but the game has changed now that Zoom came in and transformed everything overnight. 
you know, it's not unusual to say, okay, great. I'm going to be in Key Largo and take a meeting, or I'm going to be, you know, in Antarctica and I'm going to do my regular day job. Nobody cares where you are. And if you do care, then you're going to lose out to the ones that don't. I don't, you know, like I think it was so funny. Like everybody's, what do you, where you like, what's my PTO? What's my, this I'm at a point where like, just do your job. I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't care if they come in, if they don't want to come in, cool. As long as they perform, as long as they do their, their stuff. And as long as we're moving forward and we're being a productive company and you're adding value to that, do what you need to do. That's kind of how we, our mentality is. Yeah. Awesome. I know you are in the middle of a, a call it a retreat, an event. Tell me what can give me a sneak peek into what you're going to be sharing with people. What are some of the either exciting things or the company or some of the things that you want to sort of impart on your people over the next couple of days? You know, you said it best. Think about this. We were not a company that was on online doing a lot of business, right? We have 41,000 people. Most of them were doing parties or events in homes or face-to-face. The virtual world never existed. I mean, I can't remember what it was, but I came on on like March 23rd last year in 2020. I said, okay, everybody has to get Zoom, download it, whatever. And I had people going, well, can you pick Zoom up at Costco? Is it like an appliance? What is what is this whole Zoom thing, right? Like nobody really kind of knew about it. It was crazy. So that tells you that one thing that we're trying to work on is we're trying to work on data, right? We're trying to make sure that we're being able to, how do we retarget? How do we make sure you keep the LTV lifetime value for your customers? How do you make sure that you're marketing to them properly? You're being in front of them because people, they don't want to just go to the store anymore. They want you to serve up the information. What's new, what's hot, what's there. And so us being able to share that this is the direction that we're going to go down to really help with their customers, make sure we're being there for them when they need product from us. So that's the big thing we're sharing. We're bringing on a new POS system, a new digital marketing campaign, and we got some new products, but I can't share them with you right now because they haven't even relaunched. We can talk eight, five after that, and I can share more with you. Perfect. That sounds awesome. And one of the things I learned like is like 10 years ago now, the balance between high tech and high touch and that now technology in all areas, you know, is an enabler. It does not replace just because I sent an email does not replace the communication. It's going to help you, but it's not going to avoid both getting the positive stuff done, getting that work done. And then some of the more challenging conversations, you know, there's no escape in the muck. You've got to go through it. So pick up the phone. Use it. It works. Yeah. I still think email is, is great, but nobody checks it hardly anymore. I think you have to have it. It's a, it's a spoke in the wheel. It is what it is, but we have to make sure that you're using your phone. Yeah. I use Vidyard, shout out Vidyard uh, to send video messages to, again, it's just an enabler to make a, a human contact. So Chris, where can people learn more about you? Where can they get in touch? Where can they follow along with uh, what y'all are up to? couple things. You can follow a site called Chris Chickenelli, uh, and that's C-H-R-I-S-C-I-C-C-H-I-N-E-L-L-I. You can follow me at Pure Romance. I am CEO of the, of the company, and I also have a book, Secret Is You. So you could also, any of those locations, up. I know Chickenelli, you're probably going, how did I spell that? I always tell people. We'll it's put in the it show is. notes. Well, that way we don't have to worry about spelling it. Just check the show notes, folks, and you can get in touch. Awesome, Chris. It's been such a pleasure. Thanks for the time today. It was a blast. And yeah, I just appreciate you being here. Thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. Folks, my guest today is Chris Giaconelli, who is the CEO and president of Pure Romance. Be sure to like and subscribe to follow along. And I know as Chris is going to go on his leadership journey, he's going to subscribe to the podcast and make sure he figures out all of his staff and stuff. But honestly, do check out what they're doing. I think it's such a great business and a great opportunity. And, and Chris, it's such a pleasure today. So thanks for thanks for joining us. Thank you again. And my guest has been Chris Giaconelli. My name is Anthony Taylor. This has been the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. Thanks, everybody. And until next time. 
Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Before you go, I wanted to make sure that you knew about our signature course that'll help you better align your team and get them bought into your strategic plan. It's presented really simply that whether you're a seasoned veteran or brand new to strategic planning, it'll help you better understand it, it'll help your team think more strategically, and it'll help you better prioritize and set goals. Ultimately, it's going to give you a plan that you can execute successfully. Because you have no idea how many plans that I see that look good, but are missing key components to make them successful, and we cover all of those missteps in the course. On top of all the video training, you'll get access to all of our workbooks and access to our knowledge base and community. Course is only $4.95 and you can get instant access to all of the videos. Plus you can use the code podcast for $100 off. Course comes with a 100% money back guarantee. If you don't get value from the course, let us know and we'll give you all of your money back. So go to smestrategy.net slash course. Use the code podcast for $100 off, and I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to support you and your team in getting alignment and moving your strategic plan forward. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.